When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass. I'm about to puke. Yeah, okay. Well, welcome back to Draft Fights, a football show, everybody. It's a football show. I'm Walter, and we're here today. We're talking about two things, and two things only, right? It's an emergency episode. Uh, we got the draft coming up. Uh, apparently, it's going to be virtual draft, uh, but it's not just the drafts coming up. Uh, we had we had a trade today. We had uh, Brandon Cooks traded from the LA Rams for a second round pick. His third trade for a high pick, man. This guy, yeah, I, you know, I, I, he, you can knock him because he's been traded to multiple teams, or you could say, dude, this guy keeps on taking in high picks, man. Very good. So yeah, man, he's getting traded for a second round pick to the Texans, right? Texans are trading their uh, their fifty uh, seventh overall pick in the draft, right? Not the one they got from the Arizona Cardinals. They're keeping that one. The one that they got for trading DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick and David Johnson. So, let's break this down a little bit, right? Brandon Cooks, very speedy receiver, right? Now you get to tie him with Deshaun Watson. He gets Kyle... I guess, not Kyle. Well, he gets Will Fuller, right? Speedy guy as well. And Kenny Stills. Dude, that's three fast receivers that are crazy fast. That's like light speed fast. It's like light speed rescue fast. It's like if Deshaun Watson was a Power Ranger or something. I like it, man. I like this trade. First time this year that Bill O'Brien's done something. I went, you know what? I probably would have done the exact same... Well, I don't know if I would have done the exact same thing. I'm not always big on trading second-round picks. Yes, Brandon Cooks had a few concussions, but he hasn't missed a lot of games, strangely, because a lot of his concussions come, like, during uh, Super Bowls and things like that. Uh, so, to be honest, like, his last year he missed a couple of games, but he, it happened around the time of, the, of uh, I believe, the that bye week thing that they get in the NFL, right? You guys know about the bye week? I wish I had that during, well, now we're kind of getting our own bye week. We're getting a bye month. We're getting a bye virus cri crisis. Hope everybody's doing well, by the way. Uh, yeah, so we got a, a virus going on, and we got Brandon Cooks traded the Texans, right? Bill O'Brien's catching a little bit of flack on the Twitter, but I kind of like this deal, right? Uh, so the Texans in this deal only have to pay Brandon Cooks $8 million a year, right? The, the Rams have to eat about $20 million in dead cap from trading away Brandon Cooks. It sounds like the Rams are trying to undo some bad deals. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Rams later on. They, they needed some picks. They needed some cap space going into next year. Um, I think this affects their offense. Like, this is a guy that they kind of needed, right? They needed some speed on the offense. So maybe they're looking to draft a receiver. Now Now everybody's going to be tying into receivers because they trade away a good receiver. They're probably going to try to draft a speedy one in this draft, which there's a couple of guys who uh, might be up to some good for the, for the L.A. Rams. So now uh, the Texans, right? They uh, trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a very high second-round pick, pick 40, right? Now they've basically what they did is they traded DeAndre Hopkins to move up 17 spots. But also, like, they were paying DeAndre Hopkins about $14 million a year, still very under contract, but now they're going to be paying Brandon Cooks $8 million a year. So they, they knocked $6 million off that cap. That's actually not a bad deal. I kind of like what they've been doing. Like, I don't like that they trade DeAndre Hopkins, but it seems like they found a way to kind of, like, clean up what they did, right? They realize, like, you know, this could this could blow up in our face. Yeah, we should probably fix this. All right, maybe we find a guy. Maybe we find a guy who's uh, – maybe we find a team that's selling a receiver, right? You know, there's a lot of receivers in this draft. That's been the big 
conflict, right? Everybody's going like, you know, there's a lot of receivers. You can probably get a, a starting receiver in the fifth round in this draft, as everybody's been saying. But it's not that easy, right? Like it's, you know, a we've got the the COVID situation. You might not have a good off. You might not have a long off season this year. So you know, rookie receivers coming into the NFL don't always start really well right away. Like we've seen some guys get going maybe like midseason. AJ Brown last year, DK Metcalf had some uh, good moments last year. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas kind of like towards the end of his year, his first year kind of started coming on real strong. We've seen a lot of second round, third round receivers start showing up. Juju Smith-Schuster, his first year towards the end of his. So usually about halfway through, but they've also had an off-season program, which we might not have this year. We might not have an extensive off-season program at all. You know, they're already supposed to be starting OTAs for some teams, and they're not. So uh, I don't know. I think this is a good deal if there is a 2020 season uh, for the Texans to be like, listen, we're getting a guy. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's not going to be totally used to him. But you're going to have other guys in the offense that you are used to. You're going to have Kenny Stills. You're going to have Will Fuller. You're going to have Kiki QT. Uh, you're now going to have David Johnson and Duke Johnson, the Johnson brothers, Johnson and Johnson, not the other Johnsons and Johnsons over in te- uh, on the Jets. We're talking about the Johnson and Johnson on the, on the Texans. Uh, I think you could do a lot with this offense. I'm actually kind of like uniquely intrigued now, right? Like I was, you know, every it's weird. Like for every good move that Bill O'Brien does, he does a stupid move, right? For every stupid move, though, it kind of like it ebbs and flows, right? You know, Tunsil trade, kind of a weird one, but it was definitely better than the Duke Johnson trade, right? I think it was a good trade because I'm a Browns fan, so you get a third round pick out of it, right? But, uh, but like Laramie Tunsil. You know, two first rounders and a second rounder, that's a lot to pay for a tackle. But, you know, you got to keep your your, uh, your quarterback upright. But then he also had the Jadavian Clowney trade, kind of a meh trade. DeAndre Hopkins, kind of a meh trade for David Johnson in a second rounder. I mean, you probably should have taken a second rounder just for taking David Johnson off their hands. So now you're going ahead, you're trading away your best receiver. Well, now they're getting a good receiver for that second round. Well, actually, they're keeping that second round. They're trading the worst second rounder, which I think is a kind of a smart move. You know, you're moving down a little bit in the the draft. You're moving up, actually, like for 17 spots, like I said before. More likely to get like a, a solid starter in the top 50 picks than you would at the end of the after the 50 picks. So there's there's some value to what they've been doing. It's you know, Bill O'Brien's not a total egghead, right? He's not. He's not. I don't think he's an amazing GM. I don't think I, I would totally follow this mindset. But I've even said it before with how they've addressed the corner situation, right? Vernon Hargraves, Gary and Conley, making like semi-intelligent decisions like okay like we need cornerback help all right well let's go ahead and trade a you know we'll trade a third rounder for gary and conley we'll claim a guy off the waiver wire who's a former first round pick like they're going after smart spots you know so I, i'm not i'm not totally against what this uh, texans team's been doing um we'll see if it works right so there's that well now let's get some you know this is what you guys all came for right talk about the trade and now let's talk about some tackles yeah today's the day i'm starting my uh my prelude to the nfl draft my top guys uh on the tackle board uh going into the nfl draft i dude i spent the past few days going over all like going over tape for a bunch of guys i, I think i did like 12 guys and freaking and like i have 15 guys on this list i watched all their tape in the last few days not all of it. Not, 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 like I'm, believe me, I am. You should not be taking my word as gospel. This is what I'm saying. This is for fun. I am not a head of. I'm not a GM. I am not a scout. This is fun. This, this is my opinion. I hope these guys all have great careers, right? 
So I'm going to go over like the top 15 guys that I got to scout, look over, look at their tape, and kind of give you my opinion. OT1 has been OT1 for a lot of people. OT1 is Jedrick Wills, right? Right tackle, played fri only right tackle in college, although I heard he played uh, left tackle when he was in high school. Who cares about high school? Um, but, like, you know what? Like, listen, I uh, let me flip over to his uh, – guys, I got a notebook, right? I took notes. I took notes. I did this like I was doing homework. It took some time. I, you know, I, it was not a – and they're not even all in order, so this is going to be a pain in the butaka. The butaka, that's a new word. I do have Andrew Thomas next on the list. He's, he's uh, OT2. And then I'll round up the top three with Tristan Wirfs. These are kind of the standard ones, right? The top three, most people have the same top three. Tristan Wirfs, uh, Andrew Thomas, and uh, you might wonder where Mekhi Becton is on my list. Well, he, he might be coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. But Jedrick Wills, Alabama right tackle. Uh, I, you know, I watched him play Michigan and LSU and some Auburn. So, and I'll say this, very good in the run, right? Very good run blocker. Uh pull this up Let's see I should have summarized this a little bit better but uh, I liked what I saw from him against LSU I like these are at least a little bit cleaner it's good get off good hands uh, good footwork he like if you watch he almost never even loses a rep like it was it was fun watching him Right. Uh, you might wonder, like, and again, you look at the, the level of competition, SEC. Right. That's definitely the top level of competition. I think there's two guys in this draft who have faced a lot of good competition, who have shown enough tape that I think there are very good qualified arguments for the top two spots for tackle. I think number one is Jedrick Wills. And number two is Andrew Thomas, Georgia offensive lineman. Now, he says a little bit up. Uh, he's a little bit. I, I you know, I, I watched the tape for Andrew Thomas. He seems almost a little upright. Like, it's weird. It's almost like he's a hunt. Like, I, I don't know, maybe he has longer legs. He just seems like he was above the rest of the tackles, right? And by the way, you guys are probably not here for the, the early list. Everybody probably has the same top four or five for the early list. It's the mid list that you're really here for. Don't worry. We're going to get to those guys. But uh, I, I liked what I saw for him holding up. Uh, he, you know, he's good in pass blocking, mirrors well. Uh, he seeks contact. Both these guys seek contact. Both these guys are always kind of looking to to go to the next guy. I just I like Jedrick Will's tape a little bit more. Um, he just always seemed to be like I, I never had a worry about him. Right, like Thomas. Like I think Thomas is a, a really good pass blocker. He's not as good of a run blocker as Jedrick Will's, and I think that might be. It's hard to tell what run blocking, though, right? Like, it's hard as far as translation, right? Because everybody's got different schemes, gap scheme, uh, outside zone. Like, And I think both these guys are, are pretty flexible as far as what schemes they could fit in. I, I just, you know, I just stuck Wills up there. I liked Wills' tape better. I just, you know, like, Thomas could lose a rep or two here, right? I feel like I almost didn't see too many reps where Wills was losing. So, I mean, listen, let's be real. You guys didn't come to hear about those guys, right? You're not, you want to hear more about, like, mid-round mid guys. Um, you know, Andrew Thomas, I felt like he got a little high in his pass sets, but he, oh, Andrew Thomas always looked like the guy who should have lost more reps, but never did. Like, it was just like, oh, wow, like, he's kind of a little, like, off kilter, but he got his guy past the pocket. You know, he, he, he pushed his guy past the arc. 
it was, I was almost kind of like shocked with uh, with Andrew Thomas that people liked him so much because I felt like people were were a little bit more snooty, right? Like I I like I, I like Andrew Thomas. Why is my like I I would take him in the top ten. I would take him if I was any of the teams in the top ten that needed a tackle. Uh, same thing with Jedrick Wills. Uh, you know he gets uh, he's very you know, like I said before he looks for contact. He's uh. He, he leaves a little bit to be desired in run blocking. But overall, like, again, with the, the games I watched for him, you know, he, he gets a good push against guys in the pocket. He he's shows good mental demeanor, right? He shows some good mentality, um, good awareness, too, right? Like, you know, knows when to pass a guy off, you know, kind of is aware of the, you know, the defenders that are coming up uh, in his area. He, he has good footwork. He's got decent hands. I, again, I don't. I'm not too worried. I, I, the weird thing is, I was watching this Georgia team, right? And I, honestly, is, is Georgia tape just more fun to watch in 2018 than it was in 2019? Like, I, again, like you, you can't like sometimes like the good thing with Alabama and Georgia, right? You're in LSU. You're watching a lot of good guys like playing. Like even when you're watching a guy, you're seeing other guys play. So like Jake Fromm. I just like I, you know because I looked at like a couple of games from last year and dude even like 2018 tape for Andrew Thomas I felt like 2018 was almost better like I saw play like I I went back and watched a game or two of 2018 tape and I was like oh he seems almost like more more comfortable in this scheme seems like everybody was more comfortable in 2018 than they were in 2019 for the Georgia Bulldogs and that includes Jake Fromm I felt like he didn't have anybody to throw to other than his running back who is now also in the NFL or going into the NFL. So I, you know, uh, Ridley left, and he seemed to really like Ridley and with no Ridley, and Ridley didn't really do much this year in the NFL. Um, hopefully he bounces back. You know, he's on the Chicago Bears. We're not talking about him. We're talking about Andrew Thomas. Like I said, Georgia, I, it, it was weird because I kept on seeing Andrew Thomas. I'm like, is he a little high? Is, he a little, is it just that he's taller than everybody? It was just a little weird. Um, but I still like I, I didn't feel like I saw him lose too many reps. Like it was such a weird thing. Again, he would he would have these reps. You're like he's gonna lose that, right? Like this is gonna be the sack, and it wouldn't happen. He would just be able to get the guy past, and he would regain balance. He'd recover well. Um, yeah. So I I was a I was a big fan of his. Uh, yeah, South Carolina, uh, Notre Dame. Got had a couple of good options to go ahead. 2018 Alabama uh, game for Andrew Thomas, and, and that was the thing. Yeah, like, uh, you know, you could watch the Alabama LSU. You know, you could watch Georgia playing, you know, Alabama in 2018, and you get to watch uh, Isaiah Wilson. And again, the guy who's going to be late—that's a guy who's going to be a little bit further down the list. But like, you're getting opportunity to watch some of these guys, and you know, you're like, wait, this is the the guy who did this. It's a very fun thing. Watch some tape, everybody. Watch some offensive tackle tape. You don't have to watch all that. You don't have to watch four games, but you can watch quite a few games and get away with going like, ooh, this is fun. I kind of like this. Even tackle tape is kind of fun. Like, I, you know, I was telling my cousin, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go watch some tackle tape, and he's like, tackle tape? It's like, <laughs> is that tape that you tackle? Like, I use it's like it's a. It, he knows what I was talking about, but, um, uh. Andrew Thomas, uh, again, he shows a little bit better as a pass blocker, very good pass blocker. Uh, and, uh, you know, like sometimes he loses a rep here or there. 
but he just i never felt like i was like worried with him right like again like i always felt like a little bit of balance issues every once in a while but it wasn't and again i felt like 2018 is almost like the, the game or two that i watched over there it was even better so those are the top two guys right then we got tristan Wirfs. then we got wait for it josh jones and then we got Makai Becton. And those guys kind of round out my first round guys. Um, you might wonder why I have Makai Becton a little bit further back. So there's questions for me as far as the type of offense that they run. Like if you watch Makai Becton tape, you'll go ahead and be like, first off, he loves like when the run's going away from him, he'll dive to block. And it might be something that the, the coaches are telling him to do. It was... I don't know. I, it, it was hard because his pass set itself is not bad, right? His pass, he's got a good bend, gets down low. So you would think he's going to be a really good run blocker and pass blocker. But a lot of what they do in that Louisville offense is uh, designed runs by the quarterback. They'll, you know, uh, a lot of option, uh, a lot of, like, uh, run, not just run pass options, but like option keep like option between the the quarterback keeper and go because again like this is the this is the offense that birthed Lamar Jackson into the NFL so Louisville's offense is very uh it, it's you know a lot of screen game as well uh, a lot of short games so you're not getting really you know some play action you're not getting a lot of true pass sets and getting to see him and when he's done the true pass sets he you know he wasn't always you know it, it wasn't always up to snuff when he was purely pass setting so there's some risk there with Mackay Becton and I know a lot of people didn't like Josh Jones and I was a little shocked I watched Josh Jones's tape and I'm like you know actually like I kind of like Josh Jones a little bit better um you know when he stay yeah, but let's get back to Mackay Becton right he's number five on my list when he stays up he could be a good good blocker but he gets on the he's a guy who gets on the ground a lot um you know i watched him play oh my god my handwriting's horrible i should have typed these i typed some of them and then i didn't type some of them um i just didn't feel like he was challenged a lot like some of these guys like i said before right like louisville it, it, they're not going to like it, you know you watch the clemson game i think uh, that was one of the games kentucky i watched uh, North Dakota, uh, not North Dakota, Notre Dame. Um, you see the ND on the list, and you go, North Dakota? I'm like, no, that's not it. Um, and Notre Dame is fine. You know, you get a couple of guys coming out of there, but they're not really considered like a true defensive, you know, team. You're, you know, Kentucky, every once in a while, has a couple of good guys. We had a guy from Kentucky last year go in the draft. That, um, Clemson, Clemson's usually the big one. But again, like, you're not always seeing – like when you don't have the opportunity to watch these guys against higher higher end competition, it's a little rough to kind of give a full assessment. That's why I'm saying like Makai Becton really wasn't tested super much. So, but I like what I see. Like the guy's athletic. He's got good bend. He's got a good pass set. He, you know, but like we're not seeing him take true. Like we're not seeing him take true pass sets where. You know, it's just a full drop back. Like, they just didn't do that a lot in Louisville because you have an athletic quarterback. Uh, you run a lot of screen game. And uh, and he was, you know, even when he was in the screen game, 
he wasn't doing a, a whole lot. And like, it was like, it, 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 the Louisville offense does not do a lot for um, giving you an assessment of how a tackle is going to operate in the NFL. That being said, he has, you know, you're talking about a giant mammoth of a man. Who, a guy who can play, if he's, you know, hits his peak, will probably be an amazing, you know, like people compare him to Trent Brown kind of level starter. And I think that's a very good possibility. I think he shows some of the athletic traits to do it. But I, I, it's, there's some questions. So that's why I put Makai back then a little bit lower. And I was, or was really willing to put him higher. You know, there's some question. You know, you just got, you don't know about the mental with him. Uh, let's go back to, let's get to Tristan Wirfs, right? Um... You know, I kept on hearing a lot of talk about him being switched to guard. And, like, yeah, there's, like, a, a clip out there of, like, him losing a rep in the Michigan game. And I watched the Michigan game. I got to tell you, uh, I was relatively really impressed. This is why this guy's number three on my list. He's in that second tier of tackle. It goes Jedrick Wills, a little bit of space, Andrew Thomas, and then Tristan Wirfs. And I, I'm, you know, he, he's very good at mirroring. Uh... You know, I, we saw, and again, this is a guy, the reason why I have him lower than Andrew Thomas and lower than Jedrick Wills is because he's been tested, but he hasn't been tested to the level of those guys. So, you know, multiple years of Jedrick Wills going up against top-end competition, multiple years of, uh, you know, and even like just two years of, uh, two years of Jedrick Wills going up against top-end competition for Alabama and the SEC, you know, uh, Andrew Thomas. And maybe I have an, you know, an SEC fetish, but it, it, it is one of the, the tougher divisions. And, listen, there's other divisions that are tough. Uh, Pac-12 has, uh, you know, like the, there's some good defenses out there. Uh, and there's some good teams in certain divisions that you get to see an assessment of. Like Michigan is a good, you know, sometimes a very good defensive team. Uh, I thought he did really well holding up against them. Uh, he's got a good punch. Uh, oh, my God. This is – I should have typed this out, everybody. I apologize. Um, good mirroring. Good movement skills. Gets out uh, Gets out in space really well. Uh, gets out in front of blockers. Good in – oh, very good in space, right? Uh, again, USC, he didn't really feel like he was challenged very much. Uh, loses a little bit of ground against Big 91. Uh, but that was also a rep that felt like it was uh, a little bit deeper. So he's a guy, there's certain guys who I, I feel will hold up a lot better against power guys and some guys who hold up really well against, like, kind of more speed rushers, bending the arc. And, and I felt like Tristan Wirfs had a little bit of an issue with speed to power and a little bit of bull rush, but generally recovered very well. Like, that was the, that was a very interesting thing when you watch his tape. Whether you're watching him against Wisconsin or Michigan, he recovers very well. Um, let's see the next guy on the list, right? Or Minnesota. That's another team that I watch him play. And uh, good at sealing the blocks. Again, his mirroring skills are, are top-notch. Um, you know, every once in a while, can whiff on a, on a run block. But uh, generally speaking, is uh, oh my god! I should have typed that. I have some of them that are typed. Don't worry, folks. I'm not going to be. Um. I even have him against Oklahoma. I watched a lot of him, didn't I? Shoot. Is it Oklahoma? Oh, no, it's Josh Jones against Oklahoma. 
I apologize. Yes, I watched Josh Jones against Oklahoma. Um, gets a false start in the beginning. So, like, when I started watching Josh Jones' tape and when I started watching Makai Becton's tape, it's almost kind of the inverse. I started watching Josh Jones' tape, and I'm like, and I had heard, like, different things from different people, and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, I hear a lot of good things about Makai Becton, and I hear this from PFF, and I hear this from this people, and I hear this from TDN, and you go, okay, like, clearly these people know what they're talking about, but there's some differences of opinion, and... You know, you start out with Josh Jones's tape against Oklahoma, and you're like, okay, he's kind of like, he, he, he gets a false start in the beginning, and then as, he keeps starting to hold up really well, and uh, it's a good space block. Um, yeah, my big worry with him is maybe causing a couple of penalties, because I see every once in a while there's a flag on here. Um, keeps his guy blocked really well. Good pass sets. Uh, sometimes puts his hands a little high. Uh, pulls across really well for reach blocks. Like I, they had him, they had to move across the formation quite a few times. Like they, they pulling a tackle, uh, from the left side to the right side. Uh, you know, it happens, but it's not as huge of a thing. And they had him pulling all the way from left tackle all the way across, and they did it quite a bit. Like he's, he was a pulling tackle. It was uh, it was kind of cool to watch. He does go across the formation quite a bit. Um, his pass set seems a little high. Uh, good at keeping uh, the guy in front of him, though. A and usually good at pushing the guy towards the guard and kind of keeping the set right. Ends up on the ground a bit. And, and hard to tell if he's being challenged, too. You know, again, I have him and Becton in that same tier of guys that are like, can't tell if you're being challenged enough but you guys show stuff that i like and i kind of am interested of as to what you're doing i honestly wrote down on here that this is like the perfect guy for kansas city like as i got past josh jones and makai Becton, i started like thinking like where did this guy could go right where were some of the spots that i'd be interested in watching some of these players go to right because when we get to the next tier of guys i have like ideas for some of these dudes where they should go what's their best fit um, and I just thought this is the perfect guy for Kansas City, right? Like, this is a good, a good on space, uh, good pulling across, very athletic, um, gets his guy on the ground, good at pancaking guys, and it's actually been rumored that he's met with Kansas City and quite a few teams. Like, he's got, like, about a dozen teams that have already talked to him on Skype or FaceTime or Zoom, if you've been using the Zoom, everybody. Um... Yeah, he's got a lot of these where guys try to beat him outside, and he rides them out. Very good at pushing guys past the arc of the pocket. Uh, very good at pivoting his guy out in the run game. Uh, sometimes, like, the, you know, QB breaks contain, so you can't, like, you know, there's a lot of these three-man rushes that, like, it's hard to, to figure out. He always stays in phase with this defender. Def he stayed in phase with this defender really well. Oklahoma's a good game to watch for Josh Jones if you're trying to get a good idea. Um... Decent, like, this is the thing I, I saw with him. He's decent as a run blocker, decent in pass pro. I saw a lot more pass pro reps that I thought were, like, applicable to the NFL compared to, like, Mekhi Becton, which is why I have him a little bit higher than Mekhi Becton. Um, I think an outside zone team would probably love him. And then, like, again, like, didn't really get challenged a lot, though. Oklahoma was really, like, the best tape I got to see this year against a really good team 
you know, like Cincinnati. I, I got to watch a little bit of that game. Um, I know he's a former basketball player. I know for, uh, some NFL lineman, uh, Ross Tucker, has said, like, he likes it when a guy's a former basketball player for a tackle. Like, they, they seem to know how to kind of to, to get in front and block and play defense really well. Defense in basketball terms, not defense like playing defense as a tackle. But, like, the, the what you're trying to do as a tackle translates to maybe being, like, in the as a basketball player. Whereas, uh, you know, he was comparing this to Tristan Wirfs, who was a former wrestler, you know, saying, like, maybe he fits more of a guard thing. Now, I kind of disagree. Like, from what I saw with Tristan Wirfs, I think he could definitely play tackle. And I was going into it kind of with the mindset of, like, oh, Tristan Wirfs is definitely, you know, maybe, maybe he's an all-pro guard. He would definitely be an all-pro guard. But both him and Jones fit these outside zone schemes, very good in space. I, I think those are the kind of guys you want on these, like, uh, the, the Kyle Shanahan offenses or, uh, you know, a Gary Kubiak offense. It's just like you, you're going to want to get them moving and blocking out in space. So, uh, again, USF. I, so, all right, let's go on. So that's like the first tier, those five guys. We start out with Jedrick Wills. We go to Andrew Thomas. Then we go ahead and meet up with our boy Tristan Wirfs. Josh Jones, Makai Beckton. Now, you guys must be wondering, like, what's that next tier? And there's a bunch of guys in this next tier. I'm telling you right now, it's not – this is kind of like my second rounder kind of spot. Like, I don't think any of these guys would want to take in the first round, right? They might go in the first round. Sorry, these are the ones I actually kind of typed up. So, this it's like kind of a bulk of guys. I don't, I don't like saying it as a pure rank because I'm not a team, right? I can't, like, I'm not picking guys for you. Like, if I had a, one team, I might pick this guy. So, for instance, I have uh, this next grouping of guys is Isaiah Wilson, Ezra Cleveland, Lucas Nyang, in no particular order, by the way, uh, Prince Tego, and uh, that's kind of, and kind of, uh, oh, and Austin Jackson, and, and Trey Adams, and, and Brandon Bark. Like, it's, it's kind of weird uh, cluster of dudes. See, I really liked Isaiah Wilson's tape, right? Um, Isaiah Wilson, Ezra Cleveland, Lucas Nyang, Prince Tego. They all seem to have things that these guys can probably start soonish or have a quality that can make them a high-level starter. So, for instance, Isaiah Wilson, right? The other Georgia tackle. Yeah, we were talking about Andrew Thomas before. We're talking about his teammate who was on the other side who was actually pretty fun to watch, right? Andrew Thomas uh, seemed a little higher, and then, like, you'd look on the other side, and it's like, who's that guy on the other side? Um, let me pull this back up. So, you know, again, this is another guy who goes up at high-level competition. Uh, we know where he wins. He wins – he has a solid anchor, very good gap power kind of guy can you know gets guys off the ball gets guys off the the line of scrimmage really well i could see him going to detroit miami new england um just like his his movement skills are not he's not he's gonna get beat around the edge every once in a while right but you're not going through him you're gonna bull rush him right you're not gonna like bully him right so he, he's got a, a good enough level of awareness where 
if you know what his weakness is, right? Like, for instance, um, when Jack Conklin came into the NFL, we kind of knew what his weaknesses could have been or the, the Titans his first year kind of knew what his potential weaknesses were and gave him a lot of help. That was his first year, and that's why he had, like, a really good first year. Then he tore his ACL the next year. Then there were some scheme changes and coming off of injury. That's why Jack Conklin's had a tumultuous, like, four years in Tennessee. And then he goes ahead and goes to the Cleveland Browns. So Isaiah Wilson's one of those guys, right? You know he, he might lose a couple of reps to the outside push, but he's a very – I kind of – this is the Trent Brown guy. It's like this is the guy who I would say is, like, this is Trent Brown when Trent Brown – was Trent Brown. Like, Makai Becton could be, like, like elite-level Trent Brown. This is, like, the initial form of Trent Brown. And it's, like, Isaiah Wilson can hold up against, you know, speed to power and bull rush really well. So what doesn't he do well? You know, he's going to get beat around the edge every once in a while. He's, he's kind of he, – he has that little bit of, okay, I can't, I, I can't keep up with you all the way. But you can kind of manage that a bit, right? Like you can get a guy to maybe throw in a chip block, and as long as you don't let him beat you to the inside, you might be good. Um, you know, schemes affect that too. If you're doing a quick passing scheme or a vertical set, depends on what you're trying to do. If you're doing a more vertical scheme, uh, I could see him being a potential second-round pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, as I said before, the Miami Dolphins, you know, maybe they're looking for the right tackle if they drafted the left tackle in the first round. Um, uh, Detroit Lions got rid of Ricky Wagner, right? They signed Haloti Vitae, but, you know, they might be going like, you know what? You don't want to totally be tied to Vitae. What happens if Vitae is just better as a guard? So this is another guy who's like, okay, you could put him up on the other side of the line, and I think he'd be a solid right tackle. I know where he's going to win. I think he's going to be solid. I don't think he's going to be amazing. So, okay, we talked about Isaiah Wilson, right? One, one of this tier of guys, the Georgia product, and I like him because, again, High-level competition, and we know where he wins. And he's kind of the safe guy in this grouping, right? Then there's Ezra Cleveland, all right? Everybody's been talking about him quite a bit because he blew up the combine. I watched a bit of his tape. Hard thing is, you know, A, his competition, kind of weird, came out of nowhere. Um, he does, He's a decent pass blocker, but, like, it's weird because sometimes, you know, like, you'll watch some of his tape, and you'll be like, oh, well, he's athletic, so he's got to be really good at getting guys around the edge. And honestly, like, I thought he had a better anchor than I, I thought, although sometimes he gets pushed up and loses a rep that way. And, in fact, that happened in the Wyoming game. It depends on what games you're watching. I remember watching him against uh, Florida State. I actually thought that was a little bit better of a game than some other people thought it was. But um, he he's very athletic, uh, very good in space. But he's not like – the difference – when I say good in space, though, he he's not like this plus-level run blocker in space. Right, like uh, Isaiah, uh, uh, like Tristan Wirfs, uh, and Josh Jones, you get them into space, they might knock somebody out. Uh, same thing with Makai Becton. You get these guys like on a roll and hitting somebody, yeah, they might like clear out a guy or two. You're not getting that with Ezra Cleveland. Like, you know, you might want to try and pull him across the formation, but he's not doing enough as a run blocker where it's useful. So. You know, he leaves a lot to be desired in the run-blocking department. He can, you know, seal guys off. Uh, he has a good ceiling, right? Like, he has that potential to be uh, Eric Fisher, uh, Lane Johnson kind of guy. Like, very athletic. Colton Miller. And I think that's kind of what they remind he reminds me of, is those kind of guys. More of a traits kind of guy that can develop, 
But I, honestly, I don't want to take that guy in the first round. I would take him maybe like second or third round. And this is kind of the second round grouping of guys. This is your like, okay, we, we did well in the first round. This is our kind of swing for the fences guy. Um, Brian O'Neill's another guy of the Minnesota Vikings, like came out very athletic, but wasn't fully refined yet. This is kind of the same thing, you know, get him in the, get him in the NFL, get him some, uh, some time in the weight room, uh, get him, get him to have an anchor a little bit, get him some technique, uh, you know, get him with some good coaching and some, and get a little bit of technique drilled in there. And, you know, maybe in a year you have a really good tackle. And I think that's a potential thing. You could be like Brian O'Neill. Um, so that's Ezra Cleveland. I, I kind of I, I didn't hate him. Uh, I, I little you know he's got a high ceiling, and, and again like good pass pro has some issues though. Like again has has quality of competition questions. Uh, you're not really seeing him against guys who you're going to be seeing in the NFL uh, a whole lot. So next guy up was Lucas Niang. Lucas Niang. Uh, you know it's weird because it's like initially I'm watching some tape. And it, he dealt with a, a labrum issue in his hip for a good part of the year. You're watching it, and you're going like, all right, I heard a lot of good things about this guy. But it's like, I, I, apparently I was watching the game right before he stopped playing. So I'm like, uh, like when he finally had to just go out for surgery. So you're watching it, and you're going like, all right, this guy's good in space. I, you know, I see some, some potential good here. But, you know, like the all, uh, like my guess is my so, I, you know, you watch some of the tape, and then you go, all right, I don't see why people are so big on this guy. And then you watch some earlier tape, uh, and you go, oh, now I kind of get it, right? Um, decent in pass pro. Very scheme diverse. Like, if this guy was healthy, he would be a first-round pick, potentially. He would probably be towards the end of the first round. Probably be, He would probably be in that Mackay Becton um josh jones tier if he wasn't injured and you had more tape to watch on him because when you watch some earlier tape of him he's very scheme diverse can bulldoze a guy over can get out in space and run block very well this is a guy who's like oh i kind of like this guy right tackle right he's kind of like, like if i was the titans i know a lot of people pair him with the titans i don't think he's going in the first round yeah, he might fall out of this third uh, you know it's an injury issue him and a couple of other guys have some injury question marks he's one of those guys and he might fall out because you know, you didn't get to see a lot of the competition that he, you know, what he can be. You saw a little bit of it, but you're not sure, A, if he's going to be totally fine after that injury. Um, is he going to lose a step? Are you going to have to redshirt him? Is he going to be ready for next year? But I liked what I saw when I looked at earlier stuff. So, but it's a weird spot to put him in. Like, I don't want to put him. He's definitely not a first rounder in my book right now because even like say you were just giving me this tape because the injury kind of blocks out the tape that you get to see like the most recent tape that you get to watch so you're kind of going like well what's him at his healthiest and at his best you didn't really get to see that i think him at his best is a really good right tackle like good tier right tackle like Bakhtiar, uh like bulaga level tackle might be better than that potentially like again he he could. He's very scheme diverse, run wise, um, and again, he was a decent pass blocker as well. So, uh, the next guy down, I had uh, Prince Tago. Uh, this is kind of like the, and he kind of caps out this tier. He's kind of the if you are looking for a left tackle, that it's not a great run blocker, but solid, has handled good competition. Right, Prince Tago, Auburn. Uh, plays in the SEC, 
But Auburn's offense, again, it's one of those things like kind of like Louisville's where you're, you're looking at it and you're going, oh, no, they don't play the SEC. But um, you're, you're watching them play uh, uh, some of these teams and you're going like, okay, like, uh, all right. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. You're, you're watching them play and you're seeing them go up against LSU, right? And he holds up well against K. He's getting a little rougher rushers, right? Like him, I watched him and Jeff Driscoll at the same time. And I hear a lot of good things about Jeff Driscoll from, like, one group of people. And I hear Prince Tago from the other group of people. And I go, well, why is there such a differentiation here? And it, I kind of realized, like, uh, Tago was getting a lot of the harder rushers here. So you're watching Prince Tago and you're like, okay, like, I could buy this. I could buy into this dude. He's not going to wow you, right? This is the guy who it's like, uh, Deion Dawkins on the Bills. Like, he's kind of that level starter. Like, okay. Like, he's, he doesn't have the ceiling of Ezra Cleveland. Um, he doesn't have the run-blocking chops of Lucas Niang and Isaiah Wilson. But he's kind of like, but I saw him go up against a lot of good edge rushers. Um, you know, again, it's a team, you know, Auburn scheme makes it hard to fully assess because we don't got a lot of true pass sets. Um... But like I said, he went up against a lot of good rushers. I, I I think the team that fits here is the L.A. Rams, right? They need a replacement for Andrew Whitworth in a year or two. He's probably going to be there at the end of the second round, early third. Then now a second, second round pick. This is a perfect guy for the Rams to target in the second round. He's not going to wow you. You get him into, like, you know, again, a coaching system. You don't have to start him right away, but you're getting a guy in the room that you're going like okay we're, we're building for the future here right we're trying to get to the next tier here and we're trying to get a good tackle on a cheap contract i think getting him as a second round pick for like a team like the la rams is perfect i think it's uh i think it's a good start so i like lucas niang uh this next two guys are interesting right next three or four guys really uh so next guys on my list are Austin Jackson, Trey Adams, Ben Bark, Matt Pert. Okay, so let's, let's start with these three. Trey Adams, Austin Jackson, Ben Bark. These guys are kind of like the third-rounder guys, um, like towards the end of the – like mid-third round, end of the third round. And the reason why is Trey Adams was injured a lot, right? But, like, we got to see him come back. So, like, I, I watched uh, him play the, the Rose Bowl, and he looked – he did not look – like, so, if you don't know, 2018 played – he missed 10 games in 2018. So, barely played in 2018. Played a couple of games, was played in the Rose Bowl, and you saw him go up against Chase Young. And for a guy who was injured against Chase Young, I kind of have to give him a little bit of – like, coming off an injury, was very rusty, going up against Chase Young. Like, you're watching that, and you're going like, all right, let's see what he does next year. And I saw a couple more games into this year – in 2019 and i'm a little shocked that everybody's like oh he's done he's out he's i he's probably i would say he's prince tago at this point right like i don't think you're gonna get like people thought this guy was gonna be a first round pick i don't think you're getting that what i think you're getting as far as um as far as uh trey adams goes i think you're getting like a solid starter who you're hoping doesn't get injured. Again, like I was saying, like in that Deion Dawkins tier, guys who are going to be like, okay, I could live with this. We're not losing at tackle at least. 
um, the Eric Fisher like level of guy. It's not as athletic as Eric Fisher, but in that tier of guy where you're like, all right, we're not losing at tackle this week. Like we, he's gonna get beat every once in a while, but I kind of like, you know, I went through a lot of. This is actually one of the few guys I, I probably have. Yeah, I had uh, quite a few few notes on him. This is where I started typing out my notes because I started being an intelligent guy. Eh, not really, but I, I started speak to text into the phone. So, um, good at covering his defender, good outside run block, um, doesn't always seek contact. That's kind of the major issue I see with him, even when he was seemed a little bit healthier. Uh, he, need, he also needs to avoid going on the ground. Like, there's a few of these guys who go to the ground too much. That's how you get injured, everybody. You go to the ground. That's, the, that's what we learned in grade school. You don't hang out on the ground. Um, he's definitely a better pass blocker than a run blocker. That's why I put him in that, like, he's like Lucas Nyang with more red flags. It's kind of where I look at him. Um, you know, he, he can, he can kind of get manhandled a little bit. Uh, but, like, he's gotten a lot of pure pass sets that even as he got better. Now, the problem is, right? We saw him in that Ohio State game in the Rose Bowl. And he got beat up a bit by Chase Young. But I, I think he held okay. But then you look to the, like, the, okay, like, he did okay here. He, you're expecting him to take a step forward. And the problem is, is, other than Oregon, like, Oregon he played pretty well against, actually. I was pretty happy with what I saw from him for Oregon. Um, like I said... Uh, doesn't always seek contact, but he again he was a good pass blocker. He played pretty well in the Oregon game, and he, you know I watched the Cal game as well, and I watched a couple other you know uh, games and a couple other clips. And he's a he's a solid tackle again if he's healthy. I I don't again he's in that tier of guy. Like the problem is there's not an upside to the guy, um, which the other guy who he's sharing this spot with is Austin Jackson. Well, a lot of people look at as maybe a high upside guy. He's being talked about as a first-round pick. A lot of these guys get talked about as for potential first-round picks. Um, Austin Jackson gets thrown around as this. I did not like what I saw from Austin Jackson, mainly because some of the tape you get to watch of Austin Jackson is against guys who are in this draft. Bradley and I and AJ Epinesa. <laughs> like, wow, you couldn't get better tape to watch of a guy who's not, like, in a uh, – uh, yeah, he, you know, again, like he's playing some very good competition. So now, you, you know, you're watching these, uh, you know, defenders, and you're like, okay, what is he doing? Well, first off, I thought he handled AJ Epinesa a lot better than he handled Bradley and I, which will tell you how he loses, right? He loses against speed rusher to the outside and a guy who's a really good counter. And that Bradley and I ate his lunch all day. Like, I, honestly, if Bradley, like, if you believe in Bradley and I and you think he's really good, then you might just think Austin Jackson's kind of going to have a hard time with, you know, he's, you know, he's also the, you know, the thing why he's got the higher ceiling though, is that he just kind of started out the position. He's just learning it. Um, and I could, you know, you could kind of see that. Uh, I like USC's coaching staff uh, as far as tackles go. They're not, you know, they're not pro ready, but they're kind of in at least that, like, it's like taking like a, a high school course. It's like college prep kind of deal. He was in the college prep version of an offensive line. So I, I kind of liked uh, a lot of his past sets uh, sometimes, but he kind of, like, got brutalized by these two guys, and it was like, okay, like, I can see why people look at him and go, 
oh dear God, how can you want this guy? At the same time, these guys are you know you're seeing him go up against some real NFL prospects, and you know especially he handled his own a little bit against AJ Epinesa. Like the first half of the game against AJ Epinesa, he held pretty well. It, it wasn't until like towards the the second half and the end of the first half that he started having some problems with him, and AJ Epinesa started getting you know his goat. So wasn't as huge of a fan of Austin Jackson. I think that's why is you're getting an easy translation of a player from, you know, the, the you know, who he's going to be going up against in the NFL. All right, so we talked about them. Oh, I also watched Baden Barch, uh, Barked, uh, St. John's uh, tackle, who is at the Senior Bowl. Um, there's one tape that's of the, the, the Tommies and the Johnnies. It's kind of fun. He's a, he's a fun bit to watch. His tape's unlike everybody else because it looks like a high school tape. So it's kind of like fun to watch a little bit too. Um, problem with a guy like this, and he's, I think third round is probably the best you could probably look at taking this guy. And it, I wish I would, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who want to take him any higher than the third round because then you're really risking missing on a, on a prospect because uh, he played against a lower level of competition. competition. And when I'm saying lower level, some of the guys look like they were high schoolers when they were playing him. Like, they, like, oh, wow, he's bullying eighth graders. Like, you should call an adult or something. And it really was kind of like that. You're watching him uh, bully these guys around. And sometimes he did lose a rep or two, but he dominated mostly. Like, 90% of the time he was doing really well in the, the lower area of competition. He also showed out well at the Senior Bowl, which is what you like to see. Again, I can't see him going above the third round, though, just because you're looking at the level of competition and the available tape. I like what I saw. But, like, again, like, you don't want to be the guy who drafts, you know, like a small school guy and then you missed out on somebody who could have been better. That's why the third round's really good for those kind of prospects. Um, after Barsh, right, it goes Matt Pert, Sadiq, uh, Charles, and Jeff Driscoll. Uh, Matt Pert, probably him... These are so once you get past Barsh, it's this tier of guys who's probably like fourth, fifth rounders, right? Maybe guys who can start in the NFL or be good solid backups. Like I think Driscoll's a solid backup in the NFL with a uh, low end starter capability. Like I watched his tape. I get why some people like him. Um he can be a solid pass blocker. Again, another guy who I, I didn't think was an all that great run blocker. But it, again, Auburn's system makes it really hard to um, interpret some of it. But again, they had, they had pro pass sets. They had pro uh, opportunities. I'm not saying it was total garbage tape, but you know, you're watching him, and then you're seeing the guy across the line from him, and you're looking at Tago, and you're like, whoa, Tago's doing a lot better. Like, I don't know. I, this That's just me, personally. So uh, Jeff Driscoll's kind of, like I think, a fringe-level starter. I think he's like a fourth-rounder. I, I think... Driscoll and Sadiq and Pert are about fourth, fifth round guys. And uh, Sadiq, Sadiq's tape was uh, kind of an interesting one to watch because he's the guy you get to watch a lot of good competition. And then you look at him and you go, but you didn't really do well. So, but he, he handled okay. Like, so for instance, um, he, he's definitely willing to seek contact out. He held up a lot in five man protections. Um, so the, the main question I always ask is, does this guy win? How does he win? 
How does he lose? Why is he winning? Why is he losing? Right? And, uh, you know, he shows some awareness, question marks. Um, This is a a guy who I looked at when I was doing handwritten stuff. Yeah, I shouldn't have handwritten any notes. He was responsible for a lot of uh, problems on that LSU offense. Like, actually, it's a funny thing. So I'll hear stuff about Joe Burrow, and he has a bunch of these, you know, draftable prospects and how great the LSU offensive line was. LSU offensive line was not that good, everybody. Honestly, Joe Burrow made Sadiq Charles look better. I'm going to say that right now. Sadiq Charles, there are some good things about Sadiq, right? You got to see him go up against high-level competition. You got to see where he wins. You got to see where he kind of loses. Um, didn't, all right, same where I have the other notes on this guy. Uh, faster guys give him a problem. He's got a decent anchor, right? So this is kind of like the left tackle version of Isaiah Wilson, except he doesn't have as strong, he's not as good of a run blocker as Isaiah Wilson. Uh, Faster speed guys give him a problem. He's got a solid anchor. So, oh no, this is Isaiah Wilson's notes. Never mind, so I was wrong. (laughs) Um, uh, Ignore that last part. Technique-wise, he's not bad, but he needs, uh, I think what he needs is a little bit more strength. That's why I gotta look at my notes a little bit better. Um, I look at him as like a fourth round, fifth round kind of guy. I want to see him in a more aggressive blocking scheme, a lot more aggressive pass blocking. Uh, his technique's not bad, but he needs a bit more like strength to his game. He loses out on a lot of reps, and again, he's going in the LSU offense. He was going one on one a lot of the time. There's no help in these pass blocking sets. You're getting to see what he would really do in the NFL. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times where I feel like he should have engaged quicker. Um, and every once in a while he gets a he gets some good recovery. I, I think he has some awareness question marks. Um, he's not. He doesn't have a bad bend to him. Very good, you know, run block sometimes. It could be a decent run blocker. Like I say, he's probably like the lesser version of Isaiah Wilson. Um, but he had a lot of pass sets where he's driven back into Burrow, where he's just beaten around the corner. He honestly is like th- we had the best view of what we could see. Now, I think the upside is when I was looking at his tape and kind of getting done with him, I feel like the best team, he would probably be a high-end backup for, like, a team like LSU. Not LSU. Carolina. Same thing. Right? But, like I'm saying, he's probably a guy who, if you get him into, like, a strength and conditioning program, you might develop something out of him. Um, but I don't see him coming out into the NFL right away and being a starter. I think he's a, like, fringe backup kind of guy. I think he, he he's not the guy you want. Right? Like, I, you're not always confident about how he's going to win. Like he's, like I was saying before, you know how Isaiah Wilson's going to win, you know how he's going to lose. 
you don't see that with Sadiq. You see with Sadiq, you kind of go like, oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I feel kind of worried taking you now. So I feel like he's more of a fourth or fifth round guy. And I think that kind of actually wraps up this tackle ta uh, task. Like I said, it starts out with Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thompson, Tristan Wirfs, follows up with Josh Jones and Makai Becton. Then we get to this kind of tier of different kind of guys like Isaiah Wilson, Ezra Cleveland, Lucas Nyang, Prince Tago. Then we get to the, the, the Trey Adams, Austin Jackson tier, Ben Bart, and then the next tier down, like Matt Perk, Sadiq Charles, Jeff Driscoll, who are kind of like day three guys who have some uh, developmental ability or high-end backup, maybe like low-end starter ability. So I, I kind of had fun with this. I recommend looking at some tape, maybe not of tackles, because I know some people find offensive line play a little uh, – but I found it fun, man. I found it fun, especially when you're watching, like, tape from Alabama or LSU, uh, especially when Tua and Jerry Judy or even Calvin Ridley or the other Ridley. Like, oh, dude. It, you know, like I said, I it is fun to watch tape sometimes. If you're watching some fun offenses, it's fun to watch tape. Uh, it's not always fun to watch tape when you're watching, like, some grueling tape and you're like, what the blue are you? And there's some guys here um, who I was not always happy to watch, but some of them, man. It was, they were fun. Um, follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at Brojo Death Punch. It's B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch like that delicious drink they sell at the store, which you can't go to anymore without a mask in New Jersey. That, my friends, is a fact. And uh, like I said, uh, like the podcast, subscribe, share it, talk about it. And uh, maybe, you know, tell people about it. You know, hang out and uh, chat and uh, leave a comment, leave a review. Uh, like it on Facebook. We have a Facebook. Uh, it might be. It is probably in the show notes. Yes, it is in the show notes usually. And um, I, I hope you have a good week. I hope you're all doing well. I'm going to try and do some more prospect reviews, some more positional reviews going into the draft as we get some, you know, time freed up. Um, try to clear up the, the rest of the 2020 looking forward schedule. And uh, then we'll be at the draft soon. Everybody's coming. And uh, this was a fun one. I liked doing this all the time I spent looking at them beautiful hog bottles. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the people.